0: Hello, hello. This is Artist with M. I am your host, M. Persico. Today, our guest is Julia Fay. Say hi. Hello, hello.
1: Ah, very exciting.
0: <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. Me too, me too. So, what kind of artist are you? A clown, actor, model, makeup artist, painter, interactive installation maker, fine art maker. <laughs> dancer production designer question mark
1: <laughs> yeah 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 Do
0: all, all those, those apply
1: both all apply are definitely. there more that you
0: also identify
1: with um you know pro- I probably could break it down more but really it's like I I'm an artist who's very rooted in an art theory and hmm. um is I that think, because of your
0: your degree
1: I think that that's why I was attracted to my degree and yeah I think a lot of my, my work stems from majoring in art history um, including the understanding of, of Fluxus which is then my understanding of just my work more and Fluxus is an art movement that started in the 1960s and 70s and it's um, I guess you could boil it down to the focus on artistic process over product which I think ties into all of my work and all of the subjects that they are so I can I, I find I am very moldable a lot of different mediums and forms but but ultimately it's really like it comes down to process which is going to be the case for any form of art for me
0: hmm. how would you explain your process in creating
1: Ooh, is that too harsh of
0: a question like ah no so hard that. to define
1: I just, no I love it I guess it's just different for each process I mean yeah for something totally. like yeah for something that's like um Production design, or makeup, or acting—anything that's revolving around a script. My process is, you know, breaking down the script, um, taking a lot of notes on that script, and finding moments and and kind of figuring out what's what's being said between the lines and how to incorporate those things into things like the makeup or the production design. Or if it's if I'm acting in it, then the movements or block my my how I kind of block, I think about blocking myself within the frame often when I'm performing and I think that stems from my, I was a model and a uh, artist with like a pencil and paint before I was an actor and so I think a lot about framing <laughs> and uh, um, how to bring movement or intention, intentional stagnation to an image through my form. So. So in those things, it starts with the script. The script is the Bible to me. Um, and then with other things like I, I, uh, when I play with acrylic paints, it's, it's really experiencing the way that that medium moves and how it drips or drizzles or piles on or dries. And I really love playing with the medium and um, yeah. And then I'm, There's just, I'm trying to think of all the other different types, but I, those are, I think it it varies on which Mm -hmm. particular subject. I do not know if you wanted to delve into any, which one in particular. Anyone you feel like, you know? Um, Yeah. Well, I guess right now I'm traveling and on my travels, I'm doing watercolors of nature
0: and
1: yeah. And um, I love it. It's something that to me painting really exposes the world more to me for me. Um I see so much more in colors and textures and you just kind of notice the truths about things. You realize that like the more you paint the more you realize that you've been imposing ideas on something and that it's not true. Like you realize that the sky scot- like the water is actually very often not at all blue. And so when you're mixing colors if you're just like painting from what you think something is you might paint it blue but when you're actually trying to like emanate what's what it looks like you're like oh that's like gray or purple or like you know this that the other um and I really 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 love that process that process of that painting brings to me this process of seeing that I just am so enamored with because it it influences my whole life and my experience of my whole life
0: yeah I can completely identify with that because like I've always been an artist with paints and drawing growing up. Yeah. And if you don't see it truthfully, then you won't be able to draw it truthfully. Maybe my art yeah. isn't as accurate as like photograph to, to canvas, but at least it has the spirit and it has like the truth behind it. And I found that with a lot yeah. of your art as well. So I can definitely see what you mean.
1: (laughs) Cool. Um, I'm glad
0: you're you're doing more nature stuff. That's really grounding.
1: Thank you. I, this whole pandemic has really done a lot for me in that way. And I had been neglecting certain forms of art that I love, such as painting in nature. And I, living in LA, I always really struggled with the LA component because I feel very far from the nature that inspires me. And, and this, Whole year has given me more focus on that and kind of forced me to remember that I love so many, a lot of other forms of art besides performance and interactions with people and in a way that's been just a really big blessing and I am I am very grateful that I've right. been able to be brought back to the nature
0: because
1: <laughs> you yeah. went to school in was it Utah? Yeah,
0: uh-huh. and you grew up in Hawaii, so those are very like nature based beautiful places.
1: Yeah, I'm super spoiled. My, my like, na- like, Hawaii and Utah are, like, unbelievably beautiful. And then right before I was in L.A., I was in Northern California, which is also incredibly cinematic um, with the naturescapes. So I've I, um, been very blessed in that way. And um, yeah. Yeah. What part of Northern forget- California? Hmm? What part of well, Northern California? Uh, I was, um, how do I describe? Kind of in the Trinidad area. I don't know if you know where that is. It's like I was in a very small town that's like in the middle of nowhere. But if I were oh. to kind of like place it, Humboldt County. Like oh the yeah. Okay. part. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I was gonna say before I forget, um, uh, I'll never forget the first time. I think I was in an art class in like fifth grade or something like that, and a teacher had said something along the lines of like. We were painting a tree and they were like don't just paint the tr- tree trunk brown like is it r- really brown because it also it like it isn't essentially they didn't really we were young and he didn't really let us discover but which is good probably at that age because I don't know if we would have put it together because he was like it's not brown it's like purple yellow orange green it's like all these other colors can you see it and it just blew my mind open to that and so Uh, Yeah, so that's, it's been so awesome to dive back into all those colors.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Makes me just relax thinking about like using the colors to really like think about trees because trees trees are one of my favorite things to draw because no tree is the same and you could just keep drawing the branches reaching up or down or crooked. And it's just very relaxing to even think about it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So what drives you to create and perform?
1: I would say my deep respect for life. I think I have a profound, uh, I guess, I don't want to say feeling of obligation, but yeah, I guess I have a profound feeling of obligation of living life to its fullest. And I think that is most experienced through creation and And through those interactions. I mean, we as human creatures, creature and creation being both of the same etymology, I forget the Latin exact term, but I know it means to grow. And I think I'm just trying to grow as much as I can as a being on this earth while I have the opportunity to. And to me, that comes from really mindful experiences. And I find that I'm the most honed in and mindful when I am creating. And be that alone or with others, When I'm alone. If it's something like painting nature, then I'm I'm in no in no way alone. I'm like so connected to like to everything around me and to the moment, to the medium, to whatever I'm painting. If it, if I'm creating in in performance, then I'm so connected to the audience and to myself and gosh, I, I know like the the world just like slows down when you're on the stage in a way that really uh, Especially if you're present. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it just challenges you in, in every way it could. And, and when you don't like your own work, which for me is really often the case, if I'm trying to like examine the product itself, um, it, it, it very, in a lovely way, exposes your fallbacks. And fallback isn't the word, maybe it is. Uh Shortcomings. But- Yes, thank you. It very much exposes your shortcomings and then gives you the opportunity to grow in those things. And that's the most one could hope for, you know?
0: Yeah. What kind of things do you not like about your work? I, I just thought of like insecurities for me to look at like photos of myself, like of my chin or just like aspects that I never liked about myself. Do insecurities ever play an aspect with your art, or do you mostly not like the framing of something, or uh, how it's created?
1: Gosh, I would say I would say both. Like, um, it exposes insecurities for sure, and then also I think if I'm trying to actually get better at the work, like if I don't like a performance, if I can point to it being like a, an insecurity mm-hmm. thing. Then I have to fix that and like fix that problem of low self-worth before I can give a performance that then it will more expose like how the actual piece needs to be fixed. Right. Um, and then once I can, you know, in a type of, certain type of thing, overcome the insecurity, then it can be really more obvious where the creation itself needs work. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's both. I think I, I get very insecure. I, I get really insecure with commissions with paintings or other forms uh, of art.
0: <laughs> someone's paying often. for something and you're like, Oh, is it good enough for the money they pay or
1: what? Yeah. And because my work so often, the ones, the things that I like usually come out of nowhere or are like, like recently I've been asked to, to do some paintings by someone who'd seen a bunch of my watercolors that I had did of a friend's property um They were like, "Oh, you know, just like it reflected the property really well." So now they want some of theirs, and I am really nervous about it because I don't know if I can like tr- do it intentionally and right. like it. Like, because you I need did, to be
0: inspired did... by the feeling, maybe, to get it right. Yeah, and,
1: and if I don't like it, sometimes if I start a thing, if I'm doing, this, if you know, if I'm painting a lot of this one type of thing, and if I don't like it, it doesn't matter because I'm kind of doing it for like the experience of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really; it doesn't bother me. Uh, but then when it's like, Oh, they're going to put it on a wall. I get very like, Oh, And um, I know I, I painted for my cousin's for their wedding. One of my, one of my cousin's wedding, I painted the view from our grandma's house and Aww. I hadn't, I had kind of forgotten and I hadn't seen it in years. And I went over to their house a couple of years ago and it's, it's like on their wall. And I immediately was like super critical of like, just like, Oh, like that's not, you know, just doesn't look realistic enough to me, or it doesn't have emotion enough to me, or like I mean, and that's I like tattoos, and one of the reasons I really avoid ever drawing my own tattoo, I always try to collaborate with an artist because I know that if I were to draw it, I would be like, Oh, I should have done this, and oh, oh. Mm. um, <laughs> uh, self
0: critique can be damaging,
1: yeah, 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 but also like, and I think that's finding that balance, I think it can be also good if you can shake away the emotional attachment before it takes root and just like notice the things that need work and work on those things and do the best you can
0: yeah I feel like the more um self-love I have for myself the more genuine and like vulnerable I can be as a clown and Mm. I found your your clown persona Olivia to be like my most favorite version of clowning. Oh. Like it's cool. so tell me more. It's so whimsical. <laughs> it's it's exactly what I would like it's Olivia's exactly who I would want to play with as a clown. You know? <laughs> Being whimsical whimsical and pure. Like I was taking notes when I was watching your um clown video of Olivia. And I was thinking it's like the purest form of life, you know, the purest form of a person.
1: Oh, thank you. And it's
0: not like your Olivia is not dark and like not the bad parts of life. You know, the genuine discovery of clowning's essence. You really have that and sharing it with the audience, even trying to share your cupcake. I was like, damn, (laughs) so meta, (laughs) so meta. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I appreciate that. Speaking of like insecurities and critique, I I never have really, I don't film my performances and I don't really present them in, in the form of video because I Whenever I watch them, I'm like, oh gosh, it's like the magic isn't, it's like, just not the same thing at all as it is in real life. And I get so oh, like insecure about that. I get that concept, but <laughs> even just having
0: 45 or 75% of the magic is enough for someone sitting at their little desks, just being like, if they could have been sad in that moment, but now they're oh. just laughing by themselves hilariously because of the 75% of the magic you're able to share in the video
1: you
0: know yeah but so you should very, film them
1: more i mean now that i haven't been able i uploaded one um the one you're talking about to youtube because of the essentially because the pandemic i think pushed me to just be like what do i have in my like backlogs that i can find and, and do something with now that yeah. i can't do real life stuff and um yeah i definitely had i, I wish i had given more effort to filming things um because I'm sure I'll look back in the future and be like, oh, I sure wish yeah. I had that. Well, soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. And um, um, it's interesting that you say that about Olivia. As far as um the joy or the not negative aspects of humanness, I did um w- one of my favorite clowns. Do, do you know Avner Eisenberg? Yes. Um. So I did a workshop with him at I'm Celebration. Jealous, by corn. the way, <laughs> and, oh, he's so fantastic, but also. He did not like that piece, (laughs) and I have a very funny, but I'll share with you of him critiquing my piece, and it's because he he comes from a world of getting the audience in, and like that pays your bills, and the way to get the audience in is to is to give them happiness and and positive experiences that they come back. And he's from a very different time. He's much older than we are. And his performances came at a much different time in the world. Yes. Um, and I don't think that that's what people are looking for necessarily. And, and I love my piece because I think well, not just that piece, any Olivia stuff, while, while she bears a sense of wonder and joy, there's a, there's also deep elements of grief and of, yeah. and of loss. And um, right.
0: but you work through them and you're able to share them with the audience in a way that nobody's really alone.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you for seeing that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um,
0: Which is why I connect so much with your performance as Olivia, because the world is so lonely, just like people's Instagrams that are too like perfect and they don't share their pains or their struggles or anything. It just makes me feel lonely when something is mm-hmm. too like perfect and dripping with positivity Without any <laughs> grounded reality.
1: Yeah, yeah. How did I you create that. Olivia? Honestly, she wasn't created. I um I was doing clown stuff, and I had known I was a clown for a while. At that point, I'd been some years. that I had been that I was in the in the know of my clown core, and about a year of of taking idiot workshops, which is a clown.
0: Uh, style in LA Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um and I went to um Commedia dell'arte in Blue Lake it's a it's a school up in Blue Lake California and um I was working on I was like conceptualizing a clown at the time um and then we had a parade one day during while I was going to school there the next day was there there was going to be a parade and my friend TJ came in and it's like gave everyone noses. And that's I a happened... magical
0: day when you get your nose.
1: Well, yeah. And this was like very non ritualistic. It was exactly very, like... subtle. And, and yeah. And I happened, I had bought the, the classic Olivia dress that day for myself at like the red polka dotted one. Yeah. And I was just like showing my friends what I bought at the thrift store when he brought in those noses. And she just like was born, and I was not a choice. She is very different than the clown that I was conceptualizing. Um, and I think that, I think that's also why I, I like dug in with her because she was so organic. and because I can get so caught up in art theory and'm and because I'm such a clown nerd and I can get really dorky with like history and philosophy and all kinds of things, Olivia was very much born from just pure existence. Um, I like to think my friend Bell was there that day and I guess when she walked into the room and laughed, I think of it like how in Peter Pan they say a fairy is born with the baby's first laugh and Belle's first laugh at Olivia was her, the core of her essence. Oh, that's (laughs) so beautiful. Oh my gosh,
0: (laughs) I'm overwhelmed. Clown
1: brings me so much
0: joy, just imagining the birth of a clown or the creation of of joy Mm. I'm excited Ah man yeah
1: I I, it's been I haven't you know really I I did one clown show at the beginning of the pandemic um uh live uh with my clown partner Bluffles and Mm. I haven't seen her since then and I am Oh, so sad. Talking about her is making me her, Yeah, and she she's honestly been kind of hard to fight for. Everyone, most of my teachers, uh, push back really hard about her her uh, type. Why? Um, whew, a lot of differing reasons. I think there's been. Hmm. I think a lot of people don't want to accept white face clown anymore. They want a more like contemporary art, like discreet clown. Mm. um, or a more angry clown. I I get asked by a lot of teachers to really push anger because I think to them, it's funny to people when I'm, when I'm different than what I look like, which is small. And that's an immediate, immediately accessible for the audience. Um, I think what's been hard for me to explain to, to teachers of various kinds that is that like, that to me is not like, they think it's like pushing my comfort zone, which is often what teachers do in clown, right? They're like, push your comfort zone, like get out of your comfort box, like go in this other direction than who you really are. And like, you'll find these kernels of like truth. And then the audience has truth and that's what we want. And I think it's been hard to like, like, to me, I was angry, so angry for so much of my life and that like, it's not a foreign place for me to play in. And it's not exploratory whatsoever. It's just like, it was honestly my default. So it's like not fun. I could
0: totally relate (laughs) to that. Being genuine and like authentically whimsical and like showing joy is my most vulnerable part too, because I too have been just like an angry, grumpy person most of my life, you know, maybe because of all the the queer stuff I was growing up with, but like trying to push away because of like societal things. Mm. So how how has growing... How has growing up queer influenced your art or like your life?
1: Um, well, I think I never really identified with as much word? with a word. No, I do identify with the word queer. And it's that, that's, the. F- I only, I think was really introduced to that word in a way that I could identify like that, you know, as not a negative thing and just mm-hmm. a, an option to identify with a few years ago and it really rang true. And I think it's because it is so. Um, it's like an umbrella term. And, and it's like it, it, this like kind of blob, like it can just move and it doesn't, there's no box for it. And I think I've always been very aware of my experience as a very multifaceted person. I've just been like very conscious. We all are absolutely multifaceted and I, but I've always been very conscious of that experience and aware of my internal facets while someone else on the outside is trying to put me into a box um, yes. or, or just see only one facet or understand me in one way. And um, so, so that, that element of, of queerdom and just existence in life has, has made its way into my body of work at large, I think if I were to examine my work in a lot of different mediums, the running theme, if I step back and look at it is very much uh, exposing that any one thing is not just what you can never get the full gestalt of one thing that there's where everything is so multifaceted and it's just impossible and and also then then the ecstasy and the exploration of all those different facets and the joy in that you can't ever have the gestalt of it and just the embracement of that Uh, so I think that's also how I feel about my my sexuality and my social experiences could you expand on what you mean I don't quite yeah being like the whole so like Just salt is like, if you were to like, try to see an elephant, because it's something that's so big, you you'll never in real life, you'll never see the whole elephant, you'll see the trunk, and you'll see the butt, and you'll see the foot, and you'll see all these different parts, but you're never going to be able to visually with your whole eyeballs see the whole damn thing. Um, And so that is, that's what I mean is, is is these pieces that show us all those little parts, and also allude to that there are many other parts.
0: Right. I think something that I read on your Instagram somewhere was that you are showing things in your pe- in your art, but also like not showing other aspects. Do you know what I'm referring to? No. Let's see. Let's check it out. Because it was something that kind of like gave me a bit more of a like a release to what I'm presenting and how it's mm. not everything you're seeing on the page it's like okay. other aspects of because I was doing a deep dive on researching you <laughs> last week or a week or two ago and I, I was looking at your profile and like all your different posts I really enjoyed the post you had with your um Black Lives Matter sign with authority, most of it was covered. So it's only like author. I was like, oh, man, what you said about authority
1: being the author was really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I am. That actually stems from that philosophy stems from art and art history kind of root of uh, the audience is the author
0: Mm. and the
1: debate of of the truth of that or how much authorship the audience gets. And I think that's, I love the collaboration we have with authors and audiences. And I think that they, any, they absolutely are, it's at least 50, 50. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting with Instagram is, I think I, I was really drawn to it at first because of the Im- immediate f- look it has of like facets and a whole. how there's all these tiny pieces that make up a hole. Um, and
0: it's yeah. yeah. Maybe it's this one. Do most <laughs> of your posts not have words on it.
1: No, There's, they all do. They
0: all do. Then my computer's mm-hmm. not showing me
1: anything. Oh, weird. No, yeah, they. I always get very captiony. Yes, good.
0: I also appreciated your uh post about like people emailing you and using your phone because this app is like damaging and not healthy to keep on your phone all the time
1: yeah I've been off of it now for like a couple weeks I take big breaks a lot and Mm -hmm. um whenever I log back on I yeah I I tend to miss things from business opportunities or gigs or important friend moments I wish I could have been there for them over um and so it and I understand that it is a, it is a place of a lot of those things for some people. And so I'm learning though, that it's okay to have those boundaries and to just, I'm just seeking the ways though to which to get that message out to people that like, that's my boundary. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting. A lot of people don't really read the bios because I used to have like no DMs, (laughs) please um, only email me. Um, but that doesn't seem to get across. Not at all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um oh, well I'm glad that it's interesting that to me that like that message came across to you in a caption of a post and I'm glad that you know in like you're only that, showing that did,
0: yeah because you're yeah. only showing what you, what you're showing and you don't have to be like I don't know you don't have to show everything but also it's art and so it, you're kind of separate from it
1: I don't know yeah and well you can't show everything even if you were to try right uh I mean we're really just that's the thing about it is we're we can't even ever see the whole the whole thing of ourselves and sometimes I love that sometimes I hate that I'm like god I wish I could actually know my whole self but that's part of it is other the the bazillions of people are experiencing you in your lifetime from their own perspective from all sorts of things going on with them they're gonna you know be experiencing a certain little fragment of you and like I think we all often get really caught up and anxious about trying to control those but like it's okay to let go of those reins like it's uh it just is what it is and it's pretty beautiful because no matter what all those tiny little pieces do exist and you are a whole person and we don't need to experience that to just know that it is true
0: yeah I like to I finally felt like free to maybe be photographed in different ways now because of Mm -hmm. this concept where like it's art and it's doesn't have to be everything that you are in a piece that you're making so maybe I'll start doing more things that aren't exactly me but are parts that I want to explore
1: yeah do I'm excited to see that to see that and see what uh sides you're gonna be playing with I am um, <laughs> I, I relate completely
0: <laughs> so do you have a favorite project that you've worked on so far or one that you're looking forward to making
1: yeah um you know I think the cupcake piece we were talking about is a favorite because oh. it's my first it's my first clown piece and so good thank you and I well I think that's also why it's my favorite is because I don't feel like it's I feel like it's still a little baby that hasn't grown into its clothes or even has seen its proper outfit yet. And I, but I just have all the confidence in it. I don't know. It just is a very deep rooted heart baby. And um, I I know it, I love it where I love it in all its stages and I love wherever it's going to go. And whenever I come back to it, I feel like there's something new to explore and, I've done it with a lot of different instruments, and that always has a very different impact on the yeah. whole shebang. Because
0: um, the one I saw I it was with a violin, and that's basically the music's like your scene partner, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Yeah, that's definitely a favorite, and um, yeah, I would say that's there's there. I was that ends up being the core of like other a lot of other pieces I make. But if I were to to kind of come back to a root of something that's one of them
0: Hmm.
1: how did you find clown well I uh did a short film years ago and I was it was I was a scary clown it was a movie called the black balloon and I was a spooky clown and I uh (laughs) it was like this nightmare world and I was in charge of getting these kidnapped people um, into different stages of this carnival. And I, at first when I started doing research on the character, we did the short film and then we ended up doing a stage performance of, of that world for a bit. And um, when I first started doing the research on the character, I was a little creeped out and I was cl- of just like of clown itself and what I was doing was I was just like watching YouTube videos and kind of memorizing physicalities and then moving on quickly. I, I, that's one form of research I'll do was all like just physicalize stuff to like wow. my body to kind of rem- my muscle memory. And then like, that'll be, then I'll, it'll become my own thing. Like a so dancer. Wasn't, yeah. Or like I a too. Do. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm not a dancer, but I feel like putting it in your body, you know,
1: yeah, um, well, anyway, so I was kind of creeped out. And then after we finished the last little bit of thing what we would ever do of that, I was really, really sad to say bye to that character. And yeah, and I had, so I started keeping my eyes and ears peeled for clown for years. And I was traveling a lot of the time. And I remember I, I saw a Cirque show in Hawaii and I loitered. There was a female mime, and she was fantastic. And uh, I loitered after the show by the like hanging out area, so I could ask her like, where, "Where? do I? Where do I learn? What do I do? Tell me everything." And she was just like, "You have to go to Europe and Amsterdam is where this, it all is." And I was like, "Well, I can't. I can't do that.
0: So what yeah. am I going to do?" <laughs> I, There's uh, a mime school in France <laughs> and a clown school in France. <laughs> I'm so glad that LA though has become such a
1: clown home. Yeah. I mean, and then, and with the pandemic, I mean, like online, there's so many resources, which I haven't really tapped into, but it has allowed me to take more mime that I, and, that I wasn't able to take before. And um,
0: Are you doing Dean's Mime part. Online?
1: I was at the beginning of the pandemic and it really drew me out of dark places like I, sometimes I would go and I would like absolutely not feel like going mm-hmm. uh, and then I by the end of it I was always a better person um mm-hmm. I haven't gone in a bit because of I, I honestly I've been kind of avoiding just the online like transitions world. that our world has made yeah it, it tends to actually like bring me down more at this point it's a bit than it me up yeah yeah um, have I you done you. that too then um
0: I've done some but not too much online classes because it can feel a bit draining, but I use it as like a tool to meet more clowns mm. and to play. So I kind of mm-hmm. keep the pressure off of the online concept. I actually did like a juggling class, which was a great class to take online, actually. I thought it would be weird, but it's great because you can really focus on what you're doing, you know, and like the teacher's still watching you and they ha- they're recording it on Zoom. So they send you like a clip of yourself when you like finally did it and you're like, you do your victory dance.
1: Oh my gosh, very yeah. cool. Yeah,
0: so there's some that are really good for for online, but it can be draining. And I try to limit my virtual time to like, to talking with genuine people like my clown friends, like you, <laughs> or like my screenwriting friends, and it's more like therapeutic and creative time,
1: you know, nothing
0: that will drain oh, me.
1: How would you describe a juggling class? Um, yeah, at all. I, what do you, how do you, are you guys learning tricks or technique or, or does it just kind of like co-juggling? a Bit of everything. You
0: learn cool. the basics with the, fe- with the um, scarves, like the shape you're, you're doing with juggling and you get ju- a juggling hat in advance, which is weighted, and you're learning moves, juggling moves, and you keep trying the juggling move with the hat that you, um, mm. that you <gasps> are g- getting a demonstration from, and the instructor watches everyone I'm like, oh, try this, you know, just like if you were in the class. Cool. You know? Yeah, we I- also learned a parlor trick with a <laughs> napkin and a fork so it looks like your napkin is like running away from you or something
1: oh I kind of remember something like that when I was younger yeah cool. I have um I have been trying to I've I've gotten better at juggling since last we juggled yay and it's been super, super in fun the <laughs> uh yeah it's been super fun and now actually I haven't really worked on making a piece with my clown partner, Alan, but we're working on developing our code juggling skills so that we can work it into something. Oh, and that's for wonderful. Hanukkah, he gave me, yeah. And for Hanukkah, he gave me um juggling balls made, that he made out of uh, yarn because our, our clown duo is named the yarn balls. And, oh um, yeah. They're kind of hard to juggle with to be honest. They're a little slippery, but I'm super oh, yes. I don't like <laughs> slippery
0: yarn balls or like anything <laughs> that you to juggle like the first um juggling balls I ever made I got three tennis balls filled them with 25 pennies each and wrapped it in gaffers tape mm. it's a lovely you you tried them they're very lovely to like grip and they're not slippery mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. which is very nice oh man so how did the yarn ball yarn balls how did they how did Mm -hmm. that group start and it's not just you and um alan it's a few other people
1: right um it is so the idea the reason it's yarn balls is so that anyone can be a yarn ball so that i can expand i love um yeah so it's like it's I guess like technically me and alan um and then we put on shows where that incorporate other people in each show um and so, part of that was also was the, the whole thing is we wanted to. We made a show called Tailor Made, and we would tailor make shows because in in LA it was always like the same clowns doing the same kind of doing their work at the same places. There's always the same theaters being used, always the same people, or if not the same people, like everyone was kind of clicking up.
0: Like the them. Lyric Hyperion is one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every show is the Lyric. Um, and so we intentionally like didn't ever have to show the lyric because we were hunting all over LA for all these different places. Cause there's so many cool places and clown I think incorporates the place a lot. And um, I'm a situational artist. So that's really important to me to like use a situation that we have around us to interact with and engage with. And how does that inform the experience?
0: So the, the area you're in helps inform your, your performance.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah In the and so so we would tailor make the show with like a unique cast a new director and a new place with every show um to kind of ignite different experiences um, and, and, and activate different places yeah authenticity really <laughs>
0: you really get authenticity when there's like a new variation to to a group I'm so looking forward to the day when we could all start performing together in in venues again
1: (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah I know I try not to think about it because I just don't even know anymore because this year I was I was putting together my solo show and um I was going to be taking it to fringe festivals and I was investing all my savings into it and Wow. when the pandemic started I was very lucky that I had savings that I was saving up for the show to then put towards life um and you know obviously things have taken a huge turn but I'm I, I've come to terms with it because I've been working towards that show for quite a while and um, I've tried really hard to work on it outside of it I and I have collaborators that I'm working with that I that we are very slow moving because just things are so up and down with everybody and it's so hard to kind of stay with momentum, but I'm working with a puppeteer and a choreographer. So sometimes I'm still working on it, but I have kind of taken a huge step back to say the least on the whole shebang and and not trying to predict or project what's gonna happen. Um, But I think the reason I'm okay with that is because Clown to me has always been alive in every experience ever, I mean, I am, you, you know, clown is, you know, foundationally just mindful experience and no fourth wall and eye contact and vulnerability and these things that can be incorporated into every interaction and every moment. So no matter what, clown lives on. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Even without the
0: definition of clown, clown is recreated in each like society. This yeah keeps, i heard what's
1: happening i forget where this quote came from but it was like uh, the sign of a healthy town is a clown oh. um, which i love because it was kind of also saying that like you need a clown shows that like the if if there's satire around and like if there is expression of humanity around then like that's the sign of a healthy healthy place and i noticed years ago how it's just, i think it's no no mistake that in America, clowns are so demonified. Is that a word? Demon, demon-like? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <to> say. <laughs> made out to be bad. Yeah. People aren't into it. Um, yeah. And I think that that has a lot that, you know, I think that's relevant.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was re- I was just
0: thinking about how your character, Olivia, is so like whimsical and cheery and you show a lot of vulnerability and like joy. I was just thinking how a lot of the clown teachers, they do want us to explore darker places or, Mm -hmm. or like stronger roles. But I feel like Olivia is such a, like a great alternative to how you usually seem Cause you seem like such a strong, like confident person that it, it, or like put together, like beautiful all the time. It's just, it's like when you put on your clown makeup and it, you look a bit askew and you're doing something a little crazy with a <laughs> like suitcase on the ground, like you're protecting the suitcase or something. I'm like, <laughs> Whoa, this is such a different like version of reality. I'm experiencing with Olivia on the ground when, than when I'm experiencing you, Julia, being a beautiful model or like artist, you know, like makeup artist or anything. It's just like, ah, there's such a difference,
1: you know? I think, yeah. And I wonder, and I hope, I feel like the best feedback I get Olivia from, about Olivia comes from people who see other sides of me as well. Um, and the people that it, that it tickles in a comedy way the most is people that I grew up with, that know me on a very like deep long-term level. <laughs> because it because of that perhaps and and I guess that's why I do feel like it is the most vulnerable because and that speaks also to the facets thing is once you have a a picture of the other facets that makes that one really like stick out more and I wonder yeah I wonder what the comparison would be if someone doesn't see those other facets
0: yeah because when I'm not as comfortable like you might see me as a more bubbly like excitable person maybe but At times, I can come off as maybe like cold. A lot of times, with my gender expression, I present more masculine and like cool. (laughs) At times, (laughs) or at least that's what.
1: (laughs) Don't laugh too hard. That wasn't a joke. (laughs) No, I know. I just love what you said. Cool, (laughs) or like, just masculine. No, I totally understand. Masculine and cool have a have like a vibe that kind of I don't know. They can it can be synonymous. Yeah. Like, I got the gold (laughs) chain,
0: (laughs) I do my hair at times, and I wear masculine cool, like, bomber jackets. And so that's what I, like, project most of the time. I even wear button-ups to work at my day job. And um, so that's what I project a lot of times when I'm maybe insecure, but also just trying to, I don't know, come off as more, like, serious. But... When I I am, like, performing or very genuinely comfortable with someone, the bubbliness does come out, but it's a very vulnerable part of me.
1: Dude, I get it. I, like, I fully get it. I never was identified with feminineness. So I was adopted because I'm a girl. Uh And so I, like, rejected the shit out of that forever. I wanted to be a boy my whole youth. I was, like, always... I was very I just like was not about about that side of me and and for the first time I've been in a very healthy relationship with a man um and the longer that I'm in this relationship the more I am like digging into this like feminine expression um mm. and feeling comfortable I think I'm safe in that uh, That's wonderful yeah it's, it's not rejecting it to just to reject it yeah and also realizing that like that that um it's okay. similar to how like people assume that that or could assume that like olivia's joyfulness is like not the, my most vulnerable place when it is uh i think similarly it could be assumed that if you're um born a female that femininity is your most comfortable place yeah but for me it is yeah the opposite it's the least comfortable place for me and so it's yeah. it's been cool to see that like now when i finally feel safe these these aspects are, are wanting to shine
0: <laughs> yeah I totally get it because I identify as non-binary and there wasn't really that type of language or like term when I was growing up and I always was uncomfortable with the feminine roles that people pr- projected onto me or pushed onto me and so I always felt like a neutral participant of gender. Like I could wear it or I could put it aside. It's not like for me all the time, but it's nice to now be more comfortable in my skin and my body because I've had chest surgery. So that's why Mm -hmm. I'm very like flat now. And so now I can rediscover like femininity in Mm. a not toxic way.
1: Which is yeah. very exciting. On your terms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is. That is very exciting. How have you been exploring that?
0: Um, well, I re I I at times it like waves come where I get like, I'm never gonna wear this again and I throw away my skirts. Well, I donate them. So I re <laughs> I have like gotten more skirts in the male or like feminine tops that I say I'm going to use them just for like characters but isn't gender a character we're putting on anyways
1: (laughs) so Er all the everything yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah Yeah, so discovering it and by hanging out with with people who are queer helps me take out the heteronormative roles that we're playing and we could just put things on and have have like a joyous experience without having to be just this and just that
1: yeah yeah it's tricky I feel like sometimes I get caught in that as far as like not expressing my feeling comfortable or celebrating my femininity because I think in queer spaces um from my experience I get easily very celebrated by my friends if I'm like really rocking a like cool masculine vibe I often I often have like a pixie haircut I've been growing it out but I usually have short hair and I like like baggy pants and that, that there's definitely like a certain look that I like but it's not my only look by any means but it's very interesting because I definitely get like a lot more support from the commu- queer community like if i walk into a room or whatever <laughs> really i'm just like i think the assumption that like we all that we weren't able to do that as a kid and like now we're flying our flag and like hell yes like yeah girl mm. kill it kind of like thing and it, it bums me out honestly because like because I, it bums me out as far as like i've been trying to be bold enough to, to like dress more feminine yeah so, like, i've seen some good friend. ones this year <laughs> <laughs> And I like I went to a, my friend's birthday party. That's um, what I was imagining. And... <laughs> what
0: the the birthday the birthday party where you guys all dressed up in like fur, and like kind of like <laughs>
1: bondagey stuff. I don't uh, know <laughs>
0: with the pole. Was, that
1: was, yeah, that was actually a little. That wasn't the birthday party I was I was referring to. Okay, <laughs> that was fun. Um, no, I went to a different birthday party a couple months ago, and yeah, I was I was among a crowd that. I guess, knows me, I don't know, in a lot of ways, but maybe not that side, and, and you can just feel the different energy, I don't know why it's more celebrated, when you're kind of more, yeah, I don't know, I'm, uh, uh, like, working against what you're yeah. born with, maybe I totally get it,
0: I get it, you know, but for the longest time, I didn't realize that my gender expression would make people think that i was into girls like i am Mm. but i didn't i didn't correlate my gender expression to give hints to my sexuality to people Mm. i didn't know i didn't Mm -hmm. think of that at all Mm. i think that's just part of my brain where i don't think of obvious things
1: (laughs) oh no i mean we're all like we've we're juggling so many thoughts
0: So what kind of um, media do you want to see more in Hollywood?
1: You know, I'd love to see media that isn't designed to bring people back or keep people there. I would love for that to stop being the prerogative. Of like sequels? Or just even like plot lines or everything. It's like, you know, we want to bring them back for the next episode or the next season or like keep them here for as long as we can during an IG live. I would, and yeah, I would love performances or... Oops, I already slipped. I would love content or Hollywood or wherever that content is being sipped up to emanate that same thing we get in live performance, as far as work that's created to impact people on a cellular level that they can then just take with them forever. That it's not yeah. about bringing them back. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah.
1: Like a more authentic experience yeah, it would definitely give us all a more authentic experience and then help us be more authentic people. And yeah. oh, I just, I, I feel like I can just see it now in every show. I'm like, this is written so that we watch season two. Like it's not yeah. even trying to <laughs> like, be just it.
0: Yeah. I definitely felt that growing up when pretty little liars would be playing it's like it would always be a cliffhanger every single episode and it drove me crazy i'm like i can't live with a cliffhanger mm-hmm. i'm not for cliffhangers makes me anxious just like knowing that I, there's a surprise coming for me or something I'm like oh i got you a surprise oh my god do not tell me it's it's anxiety <laughs> for me
1: that makes sense yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is shows are, are designed like that to make us want um, to, to, to binge watch. Shows are designed so that we binge watch things yeah. where I think they should be designed to just live in with us forever from then on. Yeah.
0: Um, it,
1: should be, it should be raising our, our level of experience as humans on this earth instead of just being money grabs. Do you have
0: a favorite show or film or media that does that for you, that's the example of what you would want to see. Gosh.
1: I don't know. Off the top of my head. Ooh, Or I just know. a Wait, guilty yeah. pleasure at the moment. I know there's lots of things. Well, the other night I was sleeping in this place on NorCal on this edge of this this ocean cliff that looked a lot like Ireland and one of my favorite movies is song of the sea, which is a cartoon or animation with us about a silky in Ireland. And so I, I watched it a lot last night <laughs> and, um, and I really love that movie. Uh, and I think part of the, one of the things is if I were to like talk about more of the theory of it versus just, it is like some of the, some things like really aren't explained and don't really make sense. And I think actually when I watch a lot of like foreign animations that often is the case, and I love oh. that about it. It just kind of exists as, as a world, as though we're, like, peeking in on a world. Do you watch Studio Ghibli films? Oh,
0: yeah. Those are my favorite.
1: Mm-hmm. Which one? All
0: of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have all of them just sitting next to me, looking at me like, you could watch us now and feel comforted. <laughs> <laughs> like, Princess Mononoke is, a go- is, like, easily a great one because it's deep and it's raw, but there's so many reasons to like so many of the other ones. (laughs) If you want a whimsical one, Poco Rosso with a a plane flying pig. Yeah,
1: I started watching that the other day. Oh, it's so whimsical and heartwarming. I need to finish it. Um, I didn't make it through that evening, but... Yeah, finish it, then rewatch it. It's (laughs) so good. I think animation's really get me because and honestly they're not like the majority of things I watch at all but it's interesting that I spoke of some and then you're bringing up some that I love as well and I think that they just have a lot of opportunity as far as storytelling goes and can capture more of the experiences we actually are experiencing sometimes than a live action movie could is this yeah
0: And the music really gets me with these Studio Ghibli movies. Joe Hisashi is the composer. And I've been obsessed with him since like, since high school, but before that.
1: Oh, man, I might need to get that name from you uh, because I love listening to, yeah, to to scores of things. And actually, I haven't dug in to the Miyazaki movies as far as soundtracks go. He's the only composer
0: for those movies. Very cool. Only one interesting so good because I mean vibration
1: yeah for me
0: (laughs) as a musician and artist you know the music engulfs my heart just as much as the visual and the combination really gets me like I can imagine a fantasy world based off of the music first you know or vice versa but I love the music first at times
1: very cool yeah I mean I think that sound is like the purest form of any I mean vibration and experience and you could really go to that if I, I feel like if I were to create any type of art be it from makeup to painting to performance if I were to like I could if I wanted to start at sound for all of them and for when I'm making performances, that often is where I start because I'm very much a mover. So I'll just kind of start vibing with some sounds. Mm.
0: That's why you have the, the violin player or a musician be your partner, right?
1: Yeah. I it really creates the real experience. experience. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I love, honestly, I love collaborating much more than performing solo. And solo performances for me come, I think, more because then I, because I'm, only one I need to rely on and and I think also because and also when I think about it Olivia does kind of somewhat need to live in a solo world to have her kind of she kind of is that little I don't know something about her being alone is important but right no one can save her but herself yes you know I was thinking about her earlier before this and I was like part of the reason I love the cupcake piece and love her so much is because of that like just kind of like solo resilience that she yeah, has and
0: she still eats that cupcake on the ground even though everyone didn't want her to. because That floor <laughs> is disgusting. She's like, no, seriously, you could have some. Oh, but I'm definitely gonna eat it. Come on, aha, Dan, I got it. I've eaten it, <laughs> bonito.
1: <laughs> that might have been the only time that that this particular occurrence has happened but yeah, yeah that's that.
0: wonderful that's the the beauty
1: of like live performance absolutely absolutely oh, so um but yeah what I was gonna say is working so working with a musician I think is part of that is I want to work with someone and if it's not on stage literally because all my other pieces are mutual I always have a co-partner um and I, I love, love that uh, yeah I, I used to perform with uh my friend D Marcuccio Quite a bit when she was still living in LA. Um, she's now performing in a what's that show called? Not Absinthe, a cirque show in Vegas. Opium. Um wow. oh, no, no, it is Absinthe. No, yeah. So she's 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 one of the lead clowns at Absinthe. And Anyway, when she was living in LA, we did a lot of stuff together because we're both movers and I love collaborating on that level and telling stories with movement with someone else. And if I can't do it that way, because there aren't just, you know, readily ready to play free mover clowns left and right, then like a musician is so fun to play with and Mm. worthwhile and you can just create so much. I like to do both. Yeah. We should collaborate. Yeah. Have you been doing clown stuff, like creating clown stuff or working with your clown partner through these times? Divinity. (laughs) She, she
0: mostly, we mostly do classes together because you know how tiring the visual Zoom can be, you know? So she hasn't been emotionally open to doing any projects, but we have been still taking clown classes together. But I do need someone to work with more often. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, to Zoom and be characters and live and do things
1: would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I haven't created via Zoom. Gosh, that would be hard to not have eye contact. Well, Yeah, I put the camera
0: basically parallel or level to where the screen is looking, and that tends to help for me, mm-hmm. and um, Dean Evans hosts a uh, virtual clown class where you learn to look at the camera to be engaged with the audience, but it is hard to um, to play without the feeling that you're looking at someone or they're looking at you.
1: So Yeah, I yeah that connection is so important and yeah. the the uncomfortableness that it tra- that can transpire. I think that we grow tremendously in a state of uncomfort. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. I think and I've always- struggled What were you saying? <laughs> I think I've struggled with therapy on zoom because of that of the sense of always feeling watched instead of just looking at with yeah. um,
0: existing in the space rather yeah hard to exist when you're being watched
1: right instead of us looking at each other they're just looking at me and it i can't yeah look at, i don't know something about it is not I and mean, obviously i'm looking at them too but i don't know it's i can. i can get it on TV.
0: I like to look off and look at something else when I'm talking to like a counselor or a person. So you might see me looking at like to different places when we're we're talking and I'm thinking or I'm looking at our questions. It really does change things. Maybe try
1: uh counseling on like the phone. I'm an excessive pacer. If I'm on the phone I pace a oh. lot. But maybe that'd be good to go on like a long walk every time I'm on there in therapy or something. Yeah.
0: Cause I've had therapy a few different ways, but I definitely strayed away from the visual if it was going to be virtual, anyways. When, like, when I first got my gender therapist in college, they were in SoCal and I was in NorCal in college. So we did it a phone call so we don't have to look presentable.
1: Oh, cool. Where were you in North Hill?
0: I went to San Francisco State.
1: Oh, very cool. That's
0: why I suggested that cookie place, uh, hot (laughs) cookie, in the Castro District, because I spent a lot of time studying in the Castro District.
1: Oh, very cool. I know. I need to check that out tomorrow. Oh, seriously? (laughs) I wish it wasn't COVID, because I would
0: connect you with people.
1: You know... I Do probably like wouldn't this? have had the time. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I, uh, one thing I've become aware of in, in these pandemic times is my, all right. I guess I've always been aware of it, but I'm learning to respect it more is like, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I don't want to say introvert. Cause that has a lot of connotations, but like I a solitary have, person. Yeah. And I only, I have a very limited amount of energy to give same anything or anyone else i totally Uh, get that and definitely like to give it to making things in myself and i love people and community but you know it's hard yeah
0: yeah (laughs) because for some people others don't don't fill up your energy energy pot you know creating art and being by yourself at times could fill up your energy pot you know and if you only have so much energy let's do it. Let's
1: use it for like self self rejuvenation and stuff. Absolutely. And I don't know if I have, so have you heard of uh, the human design? No. What's that? It's something that is, I don't want to say it's similar to astrology, but that's the best analogy I can come up with at the moment. It's, it's like based off of your birthday and it's essentially a way to dehomogenize the way we think of success and productivity and just like how to move in the world um and how to kind of just like live by your design and there's within within the framework of human design there's five different types you can be and I'm a projector and projectors can't generate their own energy Um, and so they just have a lot less spoons than generators and our world is kind of built for the generators and so we often think that success because we're raised in a world where it's like this very one way to do things you do do, do you work 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 you get and that's just not necessarily true everyone has a very different way of going of actually finding their their success and and um yeah I'm trying to trying to decondition and and unlearn those things I've picked up such as being uh, constantly needing to do, do, and and feeling like I need to make all the time, and being okay with that, I only have so much in a day uh, that I can give, and that that's okay. And it honestly makes me give so much more readily and more, I think, fully and wholly when I don't am in am not in any way bogged down by guilt that it was only two hours a day instead of twenty.
0: Wow, that's
1: wonderful.
0: Yeah. I found that the word, su- the word success is a very weighted term for me and for artists and creators and even the word creator is it was weighty in the way that you were describing how you have to always be creating something or productive. You know. I think it's really related to mental health and it's always a topic that is discussed when we talk about mental health and changing how we see ourselves and how, how what we're doing cuz i always i've always attached my self worth to like like academics and like how successful i am in college or like what grades i get or what achievements I am gathering. And like, once I graduated from college and there was no longer a set in stone way of getting these achievements and being like successful, I had like a, like a whole year of being depressed before I could, before I went to the doctors to get help. And before I started clowning and going to LA for classes, it's like, it's so hard to detach yourself from the word success and what you thought gave you self worth. Yeah. You know, there's this, this thing that, um, well, actually there's this quote that I have a, like it's a magnet that I have up on the very top of my, uh, above my door where, you know, the vent, the metal vents on the top of my door i got this magnet with a quote on it by winston churchill that says success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm
1: yeah i fucking love that i Me absolutely too. love that and that's that's clown that's failing and just not and getting it back up again but it's not just getting back up again it's having the same enthusiasm Oh, I love that.
0: Oh my gosh, you're so right. It is clown. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ta- thought about it since becoming a clown that it's like, wow, that's amazing. And I actually got that magnet uh, like one of the first summers, I think it was the summer before freshman year of high school. And I just started taking a uh, Japanese class at the community college. And it was like the hardest class I've ever taken up until then. And I got that magnet and I felt so like guilty thinking, (laughs) wow, I've lost my enthusiasm. Mm. Like, I feel like such a failure because I don't even have enthusiasm now because it was like the hardest thing. But eventually I got better at Japanese. I ended up retaking the Japanese one class just to get better at it and then taking Japanese two but it's just like, it's so discouraging when you think success is only one thing. And I love that you brought up the human design. I'm
1: definitely gonna look into that. Yeah, please do. It's very complex and, and we, we should definitely talk about it personally. Uh, <laughs> Cause it, yeah. I, it's, it's very layered, but I, I mean, at its very just essence of, of philosophy of that dehomogenization of how we go about existing in the world is so profound. And I think also put in a way that's less just like, oh, sh-, like it's, it's actionable. It's like, oh, like this is an actionable way to kind of keep focus on unlearning and, and, uh, and deconditioning yourself. That isn't just kind of like n- being annoyed and mad that like the nine to five thing exists and like the weekend and like how schools are structured and just like these things that we're drilled into. I think a lot of people feel a lot of angst around, but just, but also have no other way to think about it. It's just mm-hmm. like this, uh, it's just this angst feeling. And, and finally, I feel like I'm like finding ways to to action, to bring action to change in that way. So mm, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, I, I, that's another thing with, with art. I think I used to think that I have to be suffering for it to be good. Like I had a piece isn't good unless I worked so hard and was exhausted and just like have gone through the ringer. And like, that's what makes something worthwhile oh, is I think yes. this like belief or narrative I was telling myself. It and- hurts me.
0: <laughs> Why? It hurts me to think of all the, the, all the pain that went into creation up until up until maybe you've gotten through that concept
1: I'm working on it yeah I'm getting better at like I think with makeup that's a good example so with makeup sometimes I will feel like I have to spend forever on a look in order for it to be worthwhile worth the money of whomever hired Mm -hmm. me that day instead of really like standing in my truth that like I'm talented and also I put a lot of time that's not that day into like my skills and like Efforts into like product and, and organization and systems that I have, and all these different things that I don't need to prove that day in that moment that, like, oh, you're paying this amount, and I'm going to spend like you're going to witness me work like so hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's something I'm really trying to like go of because sometimes, like, the right thing to do is just like a flick of eyeliner, and like, maybe it costs that hundred, hundreds of dollars, but like that and not needing to make it, I think I'll have pressure sometimes of being like, Oh, if that's it, like, what else can I do to the look to like make it more? But like, maybe that it doesn't necessarily call for more. (laughs) And that's also part of the art is recognizing that, that like, it's okay. I'm definitely still, it's going to be a lot of deconditioning to get there for sure. I think I'm at the beginning of that, that particular leg of my journey. Um, but I'm grateful to, you know, be on that leg. Yeah, and
0: it's wonderful for artists and clowns and queer people to, to be in com- communication with themselves. Because so many people don't listen to their inner person and they don't actively work on deconditioning or um, changing how they perceive themselves or others. So it's really wonderful to be able to talk to people who are also doing the, the work so I have one more question. <laughs> what is your favorite dessert?
1: <laughs> Walking all the all the with my Okay. My favorite dessert is I don't have favorites of anything Em, ever. <gasps> I never have what? one. That's always the hardest thing for me to answer. Wow, that's so sad. <laughs> oh yeah, but if I had to choose my week if I'm ever like late night munchies, I'm very like, do you have a cookie? I definitely want a cookie if I want oh. anything. <laughs> I love okay, wait, wait. I lied. I love ginger snaps. Like a good a good ass mm-hmm. ginger snap really like really gets me going. What
0: constitutes a good ginger snap?
1: Um, like Oh, if it has pieces of real ginger that's that are kind of like squishy, and then also if the cookie itself is kind of squishy, but like also snappy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like sharp all snap
0: like sharp with the with the spices. No, oh, but also texture wise.
1: Wow. yeah. if they're if they're like only crunchy, then like I don't love that. I like them to be kind of a little soft, but then also kind of like hard enough to you know bite
0: off, yeah. Yeah, dang!
1: Where do you get <laughs> these? <laughs> get, get these those ginger snaps? I don't know. That's a good question. I love the Trader Joe's ginger snaps, but they're hard to come by, like really good ones. I had these amazing cookies down in downtown LA. I don't know if the place is there anymore, but um, but if people make cookies with a little bit of mochi rice flour. <gasps> They, it adds a level of squish that is unlike anything else. Oh my goodness. Like so a stuffed good.
0: animal squish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a stuffed animal hug squish. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But through your teeth. <laughs> it's beautiful.
0: <laughs> and your mouth and your tongue and your throat. <laughs> nice. I love it.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Yes, Em. Well, this has been amazing. And I, and, uh, yeah it's been so good to see you and just you talk too. art and clown and things that we love and connect when we're so far away and isolated in yeah. times and i'm so excited that you're podcasting now and Yay. connecting artists and doing you happy